listening to Numbers on the Boards. It is the only podcast in the world featuring a man as fierce, as fearless, and as loved as Jeff Skin Wade. Skin, how are you? Man, that was an incredible introduction I can never live up to. And uh, and the trade that we're going to talk about has the Mavericks acquiring a guy who has that exact same podcast resume. So I don't know about all that, man. But I am <laughs> well, then- excited for a lot of reasons and it's not just trade deadline related so there's a lot of good things happening mr mr bobby it's only fitting then that the mavs did trade for jj reddick because two forces as strong as yours they just belong together they belong in one city in one metroplex for one team i'm bobby corello this is numbers on the boards. We're going to be flying through this one today. Uh, it's a little trade reaction. The Mavs and Pelicans trade is actually just now official. It's about 9 a.m. on uh, Friday morning. The terms, Dallas acquires J.J. Redick and Nicolò Melli from New Orleans in exchange for James Johnson, Wessa Wundu, the Mavs 2021 second round pick, and cash considerations. It means the Mavs, of course, are sitting out the 2021 draft unless they uh, trade or buy another pick. Uh, but in exchange, they get one of the best shooters of all time, Skin. And uh, not just a standstill guy. J.J. Reddick can come off screens. He can take handoffs. He can shoot off the dribble, shoot on the move. And uh, is really just – he's a, a pretty unique shooter. He's much more like Steph Curry, for example, than like Dorian or Maxi, who are more standstill guys. So there are some uh, pretty creative ways that he can be deployed and – uh, you know, even though the whole the whole narrative of this season has been Dallas wants to improve defensively, um, you know, they it was clear they needed to add some bench depth. They've been rocking like a seven man rotation for a month and a half now. And uh, anytime you can add consistent three point shooting, especially at the wing position, you kind of have to do it. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And I think the other thing, too, is the dude has played like 100 playoff games or something. And where the Mavericks sit right now, I think you and I have the same opinion on this. They have an opportunity to climb in the standings if they quote unquote take care of business and stay healthy. And so you, I think it's okay for this team to think about what is this playoff run going to be like this year. I know Coach Carlisle would never say that, and he'd be like, "Shut up, one game at a time, you moron." But you know, what can this team do to advance? And when you look up and down the roster, uh, there's not a, just a ton of of playoff experience here. And so I think it's a good acquisition in regards to that. I don't know how healthy the guy is. I think the Mavericks probably, I think there's a greater than zero chance that he normally wouldn't pass a physical, but uh, they're going to, you know, waive that or they're going to feel good enough about it with hopes of get him ready so that he can contribute for the playoffs. He's dealing with a heel thing or something right now, but He's, he's one of the greatest shooters of all time. And not only that, uh, Bobby, you know, you're just talking about his ability to move without the ball that puts so much pressure on a defense. And so we're talking about defenses are already, uh, pretty compromised trying to figure out how to stop Luca and KP on the floor at the same time. You add a guy who for his career, what is he? 41% from three. And I know he was trending up. Uh, this season, I think he shot 46% or 47% uh, in the last month when he was on the floor. You you put all that on the floor at playoff time. That's a lot of problems 
for another team's defense. And so uh, I think it's, it's a, it's a great little move. I knew they were trying to add some shooting. I didn't think JJ Redick was the guy they were going to add, but I am happy with this. Yeah. He's a career 41% shooter. Like you said, from three career, 37% from three in the playoffs. Um, And last season, he was 45.3% from three, which is very similar to what Seth Curry shot. And what's kind of interesting to me, Skin, is that, you know, in, this, in the offseason, Dallas traded Seth Curry for Josh Richardson and Tyler Bay. And then they traded, uh, I mean, DeLon Wright and, and Justin Jackson sort of for James Johnson. Then they turn around and they trade James Johnson for J.J. Redick, who is, you know, a slightly different player, but similar to Seth Curry. And so if you kind of think about it, like they walk out of these exchanges with a very good three-point shooter before and after, but they just kind of like end up with Josh Richardson, which is that's that's not too bad, you know. If you could you can profit Josh Richardson almost like for free out of that. Yeah, there's a couple of really amazing ties. I'm glad you you threw that out there uh, because if you look at, I think JJ Redick's best season statistically was his last one in Philly. Uh, and I think he was 33 or 34 years old. So you look at that and you look at Philly's team and he was one of the, you know, that's one of his best seasons. And then they, they, you know, change up their team. They trade Jimmy Butler. They do all that. And JJ Redick leaves in free agency, I believe, and goes to new Orleans because they wanted shooting and they wanted culture. We can talk about JJ Redick, the culture guy here in a second, if you, if you so desire, but, you know, David Griffin, who runs New Orleans, is a very smart guy and knew having all those young players, especially, uh, you know, the possibility of, uh, you know, Zion and J.J. Redick with their Duke ties. He, you know, culture matters to a guy like David Griffin. But I'm getting sidetracked because if you look at what happened to Philadelphia when they traded or when they let J.J. Redick go in free agency, their offense completely fell apart. And the reason is, is because when you have a player as talented as Ben Simmons, who simply can't shoot, and then you have a guy who's really adept at scoring inside and Joel Embiid, and you take your best floor spacer away, suddenly that's all clogged up. And that was the death of Philadelphia's offense. I mean, I know people are going to go, oh, come on, man. Losing J.J. Redick killed their offense. Yes, it did. And that is why. Philadelphia was so adamant about getting their hands on Seth Curry because Seth Curry was going to be able to open those things up again, the way JJ did for them. And so here we are full circle. I can't remember if it was you or somebody else on Twitter. When we traded for Josh Richardson, they showed a clip of how good he was defensively. And it was based on him working his ass off to deny JJ Redick the ball as J.J. Redick ran through a myriad of uh, off-ball screens and nonstop motion, and, and, and it was a clip to, to justify what a good defender Richardson was. And so there's all this really unique synergy that at the end of all this, we all love Seth and miss Seth, but the Mavericks are sitting here with Josh Richardson and J.J. Redick, and how much that all ties together is really kind of interesting to me. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, it reminds me kind of – so. For the last few years now, really, the shooters that are in Dallas have, for the most part, shot just, like, standstill. You know, you think of Maxi, Dorian, Josh Richardson, even going back to, like, Wes Matthews, Harrison Barnes, heck, even KP. These are guys that are not, like, flying around screens and shooting, but 
the most recent guy in Dallas who was known as a three-point shooter that could do those things was Doug McDermott. And yeah. he shot like 50% from three whenever he was here. And now granted, you know, he was like younger in the prime of his career. I think he was approaching free agency. And so he was definitely motivated to shoot. But what I'm saying is, you know, even though there's not really um, built-in sort of sets for shooters that can that can curl around a double screen or come around a stagger or like r- run you through a maze Rick Carlisle can find a way to use those guys uh it was really impressive to watch Doug McDermott play here and that was before they had Luca I mean he was feasting with like JJ Barea, Devin Harris, Yogi Ferrell and so I'm curious to see how Redick will fit in I imagine skin that he'll be coming off the bench but Luca does play with the second units a lot and so yep. I would think most, if not all, of Reddick's minutes will come whenever Luka is on the floor, and that seems really dangerous, especially because on the other side of the floor is going to be Tim Hardaway Jr., (laughs) and then there's going to be Jalen Brunson in there mixing stuff around too, and it's going to be either KP or Dwight Powell or Willie Cauley-Stein setting these screens for him. Uh, Heck, even Boban sometimes, I have no idea. So uh, personnel-wise... It seems like a, a pretty intriguing fit, even though he's not like this, the biggest guy in the world. Redick, I think, is only like six foot three. Um, because your point guard is six foot seven, you can afford to have a guy that's that size coming off the bench and playing with him because you're not giving anything up uh, size wise on defense. And, and it just seems like a really kind of smooth and natural fit. Yeah, no, I love your Doug McDermott point. I hadn't considered that, but. Remember, Doug McDermott had been traded several times already on his rookie contract. I believe he was still on his rookie contract. And, uh, you know, teams didn't, quite frankly, he had lost his value in the NBA. And he came here and played like, what, 30 games and got that nice contract from Indiana just because Rick knew how to use him. And, I, you know, J.J. Redick is one of those guys. This is why when people say, hey, what's your opinion on the draft? I'm like, man, don't ask me because I have not been watching college tape all year and I have not been interviewing prospects. So I'm not the best person to ask. JJ Redick was one of those guys that I was like, not going to be a good pro, not a legit point guard, doesn't have the right size. And I was totally undervaluing his weapon of being an elite shooter and how that could be utilized. And uh, he's had a great NBA career. And I'm, I, I don't know if he's healthy. You know, we may be talking about more of a concept than an actuality here, but if he's healthy enough to go, your point is outstanding. Rick Carlisle will damage other teams' defense by having that weapon and creating opportunities to inflict that damage. It's a really nice pickup. Yeah, and, and to, to run down, because we, we kind of skirted around it before as well, um, he's been out with a heel. He had like a non-surgical procedure on it. This was uh, at the beginning of March, I think, and he's been out since then. And so it's kind of this balance between, you know, dealing with a legitimate injury, but then also as we saw with LaMarcus Aldridge and as we saw with Andre Drummond and so many other guys like veterans on teams that are looking to move them, aren't going to play those guys, um, you know, to risk further injury or whatever. And so no one really knows what the timeline will be. Like, maybe he can play in two days. Maybe it'll be two weeks. Uh, maybe it'll be in time for the playoffs. I have no idea. I mean, the sooner the better, obviously, because, like we said, the Mavs have been playing such a thin rotation for a long time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the the lay of the, the land with Redick. Unless you know something that we don't. But 
uh, yeah, I mean, it could be it, it could be a matter of time or it could be a matter of a long time. You know what I also want to throw out there is uh, I've seen uh, people say we gave up nothing. I disagree with that. Um, there were times where James Johnson would go on the floor. And uh, remember, he was given a lot of rain early on. And he was prone to throw some wild-ass rec center passes at people's feet. And I know that's frustrating. But there's a chance the Mavericks play the Clippers in the playoffs. And we wanted a big, crazy MMA fighter on our roster, and we don't have that anymore. And I do think things like that matter. And number two, I love the way Wessa one do defended. Now, as we know, you know, we Mavericks organizationally talk defense, talk defense, talk defense. But if someone's going to leave you wide open in the corner, Rick ain't going to play it. We know that. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, the development of Dorian and Maxie's three-point shooting has been so critical because as much as we love what those guys do, uh, there's going to be moments in a game where if we don't trust them shooting, and I think we all trust those guys shooting now, uh, especially Maxie, who's hit some game winners at this point in his career, uh, you know, you're not going to get on the floor. And so as much as I love the moments where Wessawundu was thrown on the floor and absolutely did wear a guy out defensively, I don't know that he would have ever gotten any of those opportunities because the confidence wasn't there in him offensively. Hopefully he can develop that shot because I think he's a, I think he has a chance to be a good NBA player. I love the way he defends and I love the, the swagger that he plays with. He just, you know, the guy can't shoot at this point. So uh, I don't like the idea that we gave up nothing. I don't believe that. I think we made a strategic move to add something that will be more beneficial to our playoff run than what we already had. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, and Wes Awundu is you're talking about like Josh Richardson and JJ Redick both being on the Mavs and examples of them guarding each other. Wes Awundu is the type of player that gives Luca fits by the way, really in your face, just relentless, gnat, sort of pesky defense. Uh, Luca does not like those guys, and New Orleans plays in the Mavs division. So we'll be seeing a lot of Wessel Wundu if he sticks around with the Pelicans, I think, in the coming years. And you know what else, uh, Bobby? That's currently the kind of guy that gives Porzingis fits, too. You're right. <laughs> those, uh, you know, people are doing the old Dirk routine on him. And it's really, it's not so much about the initial guy, it's about the second guy. I mean, that's when people always talk about the whole put a smaller guy on Dirk thing, that was really more about the smaller guy getting up under Dirk and the second that he floored it, the, the, the double team coming over. Be interesting to see as that thing progresses, if we start seeing more and more Porzingis at the elbows, because it's such a hard place to double team a seven footer. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I, no, I, I think those are good. I think those are good points about, about a one do and, uh, you know, I, I don't know that the Mavs are going to miss those guys during a playoff run, but I, I do think they mattered. And I, I don't like the, I don't like that narrative that we gave up nothing. I don't believe that. Yeah. Uh, and a second round pick too, which like you said, you're missing out on the entire 2021 draft. Your first round pick of course is already with the Knicks as part of the Porzingis trade. Uh, the Mavs ship their 21 second to the Pelicans and this deal, it's probably going to be like mid forties, somewhere in there, maybe, maybe high forties. Um, so, uh, they'll be sitting out this draft and they have their 2022 first and second, but they've already traded their 23 first and their 23 second. And, uh, you know, the, the, the pick cupboard is looking pretty empty. Um, moving around the league skin for a little bit, if you want to, what other deals from yesterday 
you know, really kind of jumped out to you. And I think we should start with the teams the Mavs are competing against in the playoffs, uh, specifically Denver getting Aaron Gordon and Portland getting Norman Powell. Uh, feels like both of those teams got better. I don't know how much better, but definitely they added talent yesterday. I think that uh, the Denver trade was the first one I would want to talk about as well, Bobby. I, I think um, I'm happy that we've got the season series with them. They're, I think Aaron Gordon's a great fit for them because of the way that so much of everything runs through Jokic and he sees it all to have that dynamic of an athlete, not only to throw at Kawhi Leonard during the playoffs and to throw at uh, Porzingis and or Luka in the playoffs and to throw at LeBron in the playoffs, that's a huge pickup for Denver. And I think with the offense flowing through Jokic, he will utilize that weapon very effectively. That's, to me, that's a great, great pickup. And that front court of being able to roll out Jokic, Porter Jr., and Aaron Gordon. I don't know that you could have any three players that all complement each one, each one's skill set any more diversely than those three guys. Michael Porter Jr. is a baller-ass shooter. That dude scares the crap out of me from anywhere. He's so good. And so when you have uh, an offensive machine like that that shoots with that range, dynamic athleticism that can run the floor – and then a big, gigantic, freaky Luka. A big, he's basically a big seven-foot Luka and, and Jokic. That's a great, great combination that Denver has put together. And I'm not even having even talked about Jamal Murray yet. So uh, they, I, th- I think they got substantially better. Uh, if 30 games or however much is left is enough time to blend it all, we shall see. Uh, but if I'm Aaron Gordon, I'm damn excited to go be a part of that situation. Yeah, I want to localize that a little bit. Uh, think back to earlier this season when the Mavs played the Magic, not a couple weeks ago because Gordon did not play in that game, the one in, I don't know, January or whenever it was. Now that was during health and safety protocol season, so of course there were you know not many, uh, you know, not many starters played in that game for the Mavs, but Orlando did not have to throw a bunch of attention at Luka. They just sicked Aaron Gordon on him, and he did a really, really good job if memory serves, I'm not even sure Luca got to 20 points in that game. Like it was a, it was a rough one for Luca because Gordon was so good. And now think of how Denver has defended Luca for his entire career. They have to send like two and three bodies at him coming off screens all the time because they don't have anyone that can match up with them. Murray and Gary Harris are too small. Will Barton, not strong enough. Michael Porter Jr. Don't want him guarding a guy like Luca. And so now they have their wing defender guy who can defend, like you said, Kawhi. He's strong enough for that. He's good enough for Luka. He's good enough for LeBron. And so, you know, I don't know what kind of offensive player Aaron Gordon is, but defensively he gives them something that they did not have, and that is the ability to defend the the heliocentric small forward. And there aren't many of those guys in the NBA. And so uh, to, props to Denver for making that deal. And then uh, to, to Portland skin with Norman Powell, um, He's not as tall as we both thought he was. I think he's only listed at like 6'3", 6'4". So uh, he's definitely more of a guard than a small forward. But, you know, Terry Stotts is from the Rick Carlisle school of who cares when it comes to uh, playing three-guard lineups. And we know he can shoot the crap out of the ball and he can score and he is a confident guy. 
And that's what you need whenever you're playing with guys like Dame and C.J. McCollum and Carmelo Anthony and all them. And so I feel like that's a, a, a really – I don't know if it makes Portland, like, you know, better in a playoff series. Um, it certainly doesn't help to – it doesn't hurt to have guys who can score. But defensively, I'm not sure. But it's going to make them a whole lot more fun. And it also means that they're going to score, like, 140 points, like, pretty regularly. Bobby, we saw it a week ago. If Portland doesn't score, they lose straight up and down. That's what they are. They are just balls to the wall. Get up as many threes as you can. We're going to make buckets. And they just added another Insta bucket getter. They're like the Mavs from last season, basically. They're the same team. Yeah. And I didn't um, I didn't research this because I'm lazy and old. But I'm pretty sure that Powell was a victim of when they started actually measuring players' heights and, and socks. Because I'm I'm so convinced that somewhere in my mind I used to think he was 6'5". And maybe it's because he looks like he uh, lifts weights on Huntington Beach or something. But <laughs> uh, but I, I'm convinced he used to be listed bigger before the great height purge of two seasons ago. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I've made that up in my head, and I'm too lazy to look it up. But I, I definitely thought he was a bigger player than what he's listed at now. But again, he he's always been kind of like an instant offense kind of guy. He plays very aggressively, and he shoots, but he even his jump shot looks aggressive. You know, sometimes Tim Hardaway Jr.'s jump shot looks aggressive. Uh, Powell's kind of got that thing going on a little bit, so. Uh, a team that has to score to win just added more instant offense. Uh, and if you – y'all might think I'm nuts. You may just think I'm the lunatic you're looking for. But I, I think we match up better with the Clippers and the Nuggets than we do the Trailblazers. Woo! Wow. Even after seeing what Josh and uh, Dorian did to them in that second game? Yeah, because I saw what they didn't – well, and we didn't have Dorian in the second game. So, so – but – I think that the the style of our defenders, uh, they do better against bigger guys, more physical. The Kawhi types or the LeBron. I know this sounds insane because LeBron and Kawhi are two of the best players the last fifty years, but the type of defenders they are that we have, our best defenders, I just think do a better job against those style players than a little water bug like Damian Lillard that no one can stay in front of. And then you get caught up in these screens and they pull up immediately on the other side of the screen and you're fighting through the screen and your momentum makes you foul them every freaking time. Uh, I just think they're, I just think, uh, I think Damian Lillard and to a lesser degree, CJ McCollum are a tougher matchup than us going against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George or, you know, Jamal Murray, et cetera. So that's my opinion. I'm going to stick to it no matter how ignorant it sounds. Yeah, well, especially it, it gets tougher when you know you have to score 125 to beat them, you know, yeah. because then there's that pressure on you. Like Denver scores a lot, uh, but they play slower paced games. So if you get hot for a quarter, you can beat them. Uh, okay. Skin, the other team that is like shockingly close to the Mavs in the standings, they did not make any deals yesterday. I'm talking about the defending champion, LA Lakers. It was thought for a second that maybe they'd end up with Kyle Lowry uh, they ended up with nobody. The only thing that came out of L.A. yesterday, as far as news, was uh, LeBron is going to be out for four to six weeks. They have lost four in a row. They're only three and a half games in front of the Mavs. They're only four and a half games in front of the Spurs, who are in eighth place. Dude, like, I don't want to say anything that I'm going to regret in a month or that's going to make me look stupid in, like, three weeks. But, man, I mean, 
you this is not the season to be missing four to six weeks you know like the uh, what's going to happen with the lakers well uh bobby i've made a pretty nice little career off looking stupid so i'll double down on stupidity good night <laughs> lakers see you later buddy um the the problem with this remember all the talk about starting the season on christmas or two days before christmas and the backlash against it was all from the lakers and the age of lebron james the craziness of the density um, here i am stealing words from rick carlisle the density of the games the age of lebron all of that stuff reminds me of why the spurs never won back-to-back titles um it is very difficult for those old bodies to cram in that much basketball. And I know there's going to be some people going, oh, actually, this is great for LeBron because he gets a rest. No, it's not. It's going to create a hell of a lot more work for LeBron. And there's other teams that are very hungry and uh, ready to go. And it's not uh, – I wouldn't be surprised. There's a little bit of human nature for a guy like Anthony Davis – to exhale after winning his championship so i'm saying all that to say that i think their path is going to be way too difficult now with lebron missing that much time um and so i i think that this is a year where a nuggets or a clippers and who knows how dysfunctional they'll end up being at that point or let's go ahead and say it i know a lot of people couldn't have said it a couple weeks ago but I think you and I are in the camp of going, hey, get a good look at that Maverick schedule and look at the defense that they're playing now and tell me that they can't go on a run. I absolutely believe they can go on a run because they have one of the five best players in the world and Porzingis is gaining confidence and their role players are gaining confidence and they play a little bit of, enough defense now. So I think it would be foolish for anybody to write off. And I think it'd be foolish for anybody to write off Portland too. I think the Lakers – situation has opened up the door for other teams to step up this year yeah it's going to be uh uncomfortable times in LA at least until AD is back but who knows when that's going to happen uh wrapping it up skin the Mavs kick off a back-to-back tonight they play the Pacers tomorrow they play the Pelicans honestly a much tougher back-to-back than it looks like if you just looked at their record um having to play the Pelicans on the second night of anything sounds tough although they are playing tonight too so that is kind of one saving grace but Indiana's playing much better lately they're pretty healthy now um i mean this is we're not quite to total mega ultra crunch time where you need to win every game but uh you kind of would like to win these games you do not want to be seventh place man that's basically what i'm saying right now yeah this is i think this is one of the toughest wrinkles of their schedule here in the next month or so um and we'll see, you know, the back-to-back Laker games in April were interesting, but maybe they're not going to be as interesting now if LeBron's not playing. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, this is a tough stretch because of, you know, New Orleans, to me, is better than their record. I know that sounds moronic. They have given away so many double-digit leads. And so it, it that that plays games on a team's psyche. Uh, but they're, they've got talent. They've got a good coach. They've got a good organization. They just can't put it together. And so I, I don't want to play New Orleans on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, but you can't even think about that. you got to go beat the Pacers um, and and build on this momentum. I, I do like that Luka's coming off a crappy game because I just don't think it's possible for that human to have back-to-back crappy games. So look out, Pacers. 
But remember, remember how Indiana defended him the last time they played. It was boxing one, and it was throwing 75 guys at him, just limbs all in his face. And it was KP who really kind of dominated that game right at the basket. Of course, they didn't have Miles Turner that night, so things could be a little different tonight. But I'm curious to see how Indy defends him and, and how the Mavs handle it. Um, are there any final takes, parting shots, parting thoughts, uh, anything that we didn't get to that you want to hit before we uh, before we get on out of here? No, I, I think uh, I think the uh, the landscape is very clear. I think it all lays out right there for us. And, uh, you know, now it's really a matter of staying healthy and taking care of business and seeing how high you can climb, baby. JJ Reddick, you have an open invite on our podcast. Heck, Nico Melli, you can come on too, man. Like, let's go. Let's go. We, don't, we don't discriminate around here. Any, any any new Mavs, any old Mavs are welcome. Luca, come on anytime, man. Absolutely. Hey, I enjoyed it, Bobby. Yeah, me too, Skin. Me too. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. It is Numbers on the Boards. And we will see you next time.